This episode of the podcast is brought to you by HardcoreHusky.com, covering Washington Huskies football with message boards full of debauchery and childlike wonder. Folks who are well-known in cyberland and not that dumb, except for our little fudgy who is wrong about everything. So come join the gang and register today for free at HardcoreHusky.com. And now it's time for the show. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Hardcore Husky to trot out yet another episode of its award-winning podcast. It is February, and that only means one thing, recruiting. So here with me today to break down UW's recruiting are my co-hosts, Joey Dangerously and Willie Duke. And gentlemen, and I use that term loosely, how are you guys doing today? Uh, exceptional. Good. <laughs> well, Joey, we'll start with you. Uh, the recent class for the Washington Huskies came in ranked almost dead last among Division One programs. Our rival to the south, Oregon, is openly mocking us. And one West Coast recruiting expert I was reading yesterday was astonished to note how Washington has gone from playing in the 2019 Rose Bowl to three years later having basically the worst recruiting class in the nation. But, Joey, are you here to tell us that things are not as bad as they seem? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what everybody saying. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Uh, I, I, I had, I had low expectations, um, for the recruiting class after, after the Montana game. God, I hate to continuously bring that game up, but, uh, then, then after finding out that, uh, you know, through all the, um, insider messages and all that, all that good stuff, how terrible, uh, how terrible um, Jimmy Lake was at, at recruiting all of a sudden. And then uh, then with the staff change, I was like, well, you know, they're going to sign like, they're going to sign like 12 guys. They may, they may get one guy to flip. They, you know, these, these guys have no, um, these guys have no track record up here. Uh, this this class is going to be uh, this class is going to be pretty bad. Um, I did I, I was kind of looking at Fresno State's class before um, before everything was mm. all settled and done, and I was like, well, who can they get to uh, you know flip from Fresno State? And, it, and uh, I don't think he got anybody to flip from Fresno State, so I don't think he. Uh, I don't think the De- boner wanted to play dirty. Um, I don't think he wanted to play dirty and take any of those commitments. Um, so you didn't see any evidence that he was trying to, though. Uh, I, th- I I don't think he. I, I think he just wanted to play nice and didn't want to steal any recruits from Fresno State and just wanted to come up here and and probably looked at the roster and saw that it was – I can't remember what the final number was. And, it, you know, it was like somewhere around 75 don't – we, don't we have 75 freshmen? There's first year, second year, and third year. So there's like 70 – there's like there's like 75 freshmen. So I think he just saw all the, all the youth on the team, and he was just like, well, I'm, I'm just going to – and I – I kind of was making a joke uh, on one of the on one of the threads we had of you know what what is our staff even doing at recruiting and I just put a gif of Mike Tyson throwing darts blindfolded, <laughs> but uh, it's kind of a it's kind of a joke, but it I I actually am kind of serious. Like he's just he's probably thinking, let's just get ten uh, ten kids. And see what they you will redshirt all of them. We'll get a few transfers, and then we'll see what uh, we'll see what we can do in the next class. But I'm um, I still got reservations about the 2023. What you know, what's going to happen in yeah. 2023? So, <laughs> well, Willie, what do you think? Uh, I'm not much more optimistic. Um, I, I don't get how 
I, I know Washington has their issues, and yeah, I would put this as I wouldn't put it as the worst class, but it's definitely there to me with like the 2009 start class, Gilby second class. I think Willingham first class, where you're just like this is a waste. And <clears throat> there is a few players I like more, kind of like how I think starts first class. You got Desmond Trufant. Uh, there, there is like I do like Otten, though, even though I feel like his family forced him to go. <laughs> like, I can't <laughs> Megua. I, I think that's pretty clear. If you want to remain, yeah. If you want to remain in I, the will, you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel bad for the kid, uh, but I think it will work out for him, and he'll be happy he didn't go to fucking Stanford, who had like Dalton Schultz and all these guys tight ends who were great, looked like shit because they. They don't develop there. Uh, our organs are the beavlet. Uh, and I count Megua in this class. I, I think it's kind of stupid that they don't because he can't even play till next year. So that gives me some uh, some boost. But, no, it's, it's not good. I don't think Washington, a program like Washington, even coming out of the situation they were in, should ever have a class this bad, even if they can't find that many guys. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, Outside of Oregon and USC, it's Stanford. You should be able to go to every fucking Pac-12 school and just be like, okay, who's committed at this day and age? Who's committed to Cal? Who's committed to Arizona? Who's committed to ASU? Who, who's committed to these schools? Like, we're fucking Washington. Do you want to come fucking play here uh, and play in the stadium? And, you know, with, with this track record of, you know, the success wasn't even that far away. Or do you want to go to fucking <laughs> – do you want to go to uh, – these, these schools uh, who have never done anything, basically. Uh, yeah, you should be able to poach guys like that. And, yeah, Joey was kind of talking about, I would I would have hoped, like Peterson did, uh, which Boise State to me is a little bit higher grade, especially back in 2014, than Fresno State. I would hope they have at least two or three guys committed to that school who through their scouting and they're like, oh, this guy was going to go to Fresno State, but he's all like, He's also going to be, you know, a pack, he's a Pac-12 level player. We just out, you know, we just out scouted people like the it was like Gaines, Pettis, and Jalen Johnson, uh, who Pete brought over. You were like, oh, they just fucking scouted so well that these guys were NFL guys, or high level Pac-12 guys, uh, but that we just happened to sign them. So I'm not, I'm not enthused. I'm fucking so kind of like the offensive line thing where I'm like, I don't want to fucking hear again ever about how the, the Husky offensive line's experience is ready to rumble again coming into a season. Uh, I don't want to hear about how the next class, how the staff is focusing on the next class. This is the fourth time you fucking heard that. And then by April, it'll be like, well, all the top targets, including the in-state guys, are, have already fucking decided that they're going to some other school mostly schools that you're like, you, you shouldn't necessarily already have lost that guy to that school. Uh, and then it's, well, they're actually looking more 2024. <laughs> I can't, I can't listen to that. I can't do that again. So I'm just, I'm tuning out. I mean, even in this class, there's a handful of guys. I mean, there's a couple of guys that I don't even really know. I didn't even really look into them because I just did not. It, it's not worth my time. I, I, I just don't care. And I don't care about 2023 until I have to, until, like, some of those later peak classes where it was, like, June, and all of a sudden they got, like, seven big recruits, uh, all of which you ended up turning out to be shit, but uh, <laughs> at, least, at least something that, at least you felt like they were beating out, like, uh, actual program design. So that's the end of my depressed assessment of this recruiting class. Well, plus now we're we are in a situation where Washington's finally getting serious with their NIL program, and uh, so a prospective recruit, you know, you could say, hey, do you want to go to Utah or do you want to come to Washington and get one hundred twenty-six dollars in uh, jersey sales for your? Uh... <laughs> I mean, uh, if our, I'm pretty stoked about our, this. Imagine if our uh, if our director of uh, NIL or whatever. Ma imagine if she promoted anything that uh, could be a positive for the school. <laughs> well, yeah, we know she TikTok. hates the fans. Yeah. <laughs> and we're on TikTok. A colossal achievement. <laughs> we signed up for TikTok. <laughs> yeah, Joey, don't you hate the customers for the place you work? 
Yeah. I did, I, yeah. I, all I do, yeah, all I do is, and I, uh, I personally deal with customers for my job all the time, and I personally talk shit about my company right to their face. And don't you know that? Well, don't you know, yeah, that your biggest competitor, who you also support, is like the most ruthless fucking program of negative recruiting ever, and you're just going to lay, you're just going to drop a golden egg right in their hand of like, look, you, this guy who works here, says that they're stuck too, and we're great, and it's probably actually us who's probably doing this shit, uh, but we're glad that, you know, uh, I don't need to get into that, but yeah. Maybe well, kind of like... If you don't like uh, if you don't like conspiracy theorist people or whatever, then don't give them a reason to uh, think of a conspiracy theory. Like don't give don't give uh, the lunatic the uh, quote unquote lunatic fringe uh, a reason to think that Oregon purposely sent some uh, woman up here to to run the program to run the NIL program and or what. It, what is it? Is that what it is? Name, image, and likeness. I keep thinking. Yeah, it's NIL, letter yeah. Of Well, there's there's NLI and then there's NIL. So, okay, then don't don't uh, don't hire a woman. <laughs> Went to the other school, and then let her let her never promote uh, the place she works for. You know, don't give the conspiracy theorists a reason to think of a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> Well, well, I mean, the, th it's the all, thread on hard – go ahead. Oh, I mean, it all just – all of this, which is a collective umbrella that results in, like, the 95th best class, is just this structural, organizational, complete ineptitude, uh, which might be a Kayvon Thibodeau word. I don't know. I don't know if that works. <laughs> but it's a complete mess of an organizational thing, of which I know it's not happening, but, you know, Jen – has to be on DeBoer's ass right now and be like, look, we know we're giving the fifth fucking pass to a staff in 15 years of recruiting classes, but it's not fucking acceptable to sign the 95th best class. Go out and sign fucking 12 good fucking players. Like, I know that's not happening. <laughs> like, and if you can't do it and you're going to go eight and five, you know, that's going to last for about two fucking years because Jed fucking Fish just pulled in a top 25 class and took, like, the third-rated guy on the West Coast who signed with the Pac-12 school. You know, he's fucking out-recruiting you for guys. Jed fucking fish. So it can be done. Like, and I know that conversation is not happening. And, you know, I, I love DeBoer until I don't, but the administration needs to be, like, as I'm sure whoever the AD is at Oregon is, like, on fucking Dan Landing and company of, like, yeah, fucking – Dying the top 25 class are you're coming out hot and shit. And that's not happening. That's why you hire people who, you know, do shitty jobs uh, in other positions. And that's why you're recruiting stuff. Uh, yeah. Well, if, if Jen had uh, any any worth as an AD, for, you know, there's so much I could say there, but with the hiring of DeBoer, and and then the subsequent weeks where he was starting to really flail about. I mean, I don't follow recruiting like you guys, but it's very clear he was. Uh, it was clear that the, he and the staff were working hard but flailing miserably. I think that's fair to say. <clears throat> and Jen should have made a public statement saying, um, uh, "We're we're really excited to have Coach DeBoer here." The okay, my voice is coming back at me now. Could you? Are you guys hearing feedback? I hear some background noise, but not I. Not much like feedback. It like sounds like a car is driving by or something. Huh. Okay. No, well, sounds sounds fine to me. Okay, I'll keep going. Um. So, she should have issued some sort of statement along the lines of, uh, "We're really excited that Coach De DeBoer is here, and he and his staff are out on the road. They're working really hard now. I'm pleased to see it. We've." had a very clear conversations and discussions about where expectations are and that he was he got a, a late start running with the uh, this year's recruiting class we expect next year's class to be uh, fantastic uh, Washington has a standard that we need to achieve and we need to get there quickly something like that but if you were to ask her I would bet you anything that she wouldn't even acknowledge there's much of a problem so 
If it was up to her, Jimmy Lake would still be the coach here, and then what would the, <laughs> <laughs> the recruiting class would have even been worse? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been so bad. I don't think the Otten family would have forced Ryan Otten to play. I mean, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I, I, it, that's just true. And I get you don't want to, you don't want to public. you have to be careful with publicly, you know, sitting on a class because then the kids you did sign are like, what the fuck? But, I mean, you have to find a way to kind of, like, kind of have to do that. I mean, it's like, uh, really? I mean, a good, what? <laughs> I'm sorry, I just have to say one thing. I don't follow recruiting like you guys do, but I do know this, is that when I see a tweet where a incoming recruit is posting again to clarify <laughs> that he is indeed being given a scholarship and not walking on, just to be clear, that's not a good sign. Uh, that, yeah. I, I noted that to mention that whoever posted that at some point was the perfect illustration of everything. Yeah, it's like <laughs> the greatest, greatest thing ever. Like, yeah. I, not even one time, like multiple times. To clarify, I am not a walk-on. <laughs> this fucking program, uh, which until a few weeks ago had won a national championship more recently than Georgia, uh, had won probably more conference championships recently than Michigan, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> won, won multiple, uh, multiple in recent history more than USC uh, conference championships. Um, is giving me a fucking scholarship. Uh, I mean, people, I haven't even watched the tape. People watch the tape and they're just like, I, I don't even know. This. And I, I saw a few highlights on, on the highlight reel and I was like, this guy doesn't even like, I, this guy might not, doesn't even know how to play football. Like, like I, I don't know. It's, it's bad. Maybe he'll be great. But yeah, no, that's the perfect illustration of like, fuck, this is unacceptable. And you have the perfect example of, dead fucking fish uh, who has had one of the worst teams in, you know, power five football I've, I've ever seen the past two years. And he's out there fucking signing guys. And he's like a dorky old white guy. Uh, like he looks like he'd be in the sales department for like a fucking fiber cable company. Uh, <laughs> and he can do well, it. He can, so, he can promise instant playing time. This is true. Uh, I think on you know defense, in the in the day of yeah. in the day of instant gratification, he can actually promise. Like, you know, I wonder. What I'm sure it's more was. than that, though. <laughs> I mean, I'm but, sure. Yeah, I'm I mean, sure he's yeah. He's a yeah, better salesman than, than that, that, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, you know, he can go into a living room. I'd love to see the pitch. Like, hey, have you seen our team? We stink. You can play right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or maybe. You know, maybe they get on Zoom call with Gronk, and Gronk says, "Hey, I'll buy you a car." You know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I'd be really curious to find out what the class would have looked like if they had pulled off someone like Campbell, who I think was kind of like the buzz feeling of what they could have actually realistically pulled off. Like, obviously, they couldn't have got Lincoln Riley or like uh, someone like Brian Kelly. Uh, you know, they couldn't have got like a big name. But what were the well, wait a minute. They got what if Sonics offered, uh, you know, Lincoln <laughs> Riley like $25 million a year or something? They Do were not. That, that, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that's why I preface that in saying realistically, the feeling of it, the name. Who I don't know if well, Campbell the, might not even. He might not be a better six year, $150 million contract. It was not happening. I mean, we're in a city. <laughs> we're in a city where they they couldn't even keep an NBA franchise uh, right before you know the value of NBA franchises became like fifty five times what it was when the fucking dipshit city let it go, uh, <laughs> which yeah. also would have like which also would have had like three Hall of Famers on the fucking roster. Uh, oh my god! Of, you know the politics of we don't want we don't like fucking sports in this city. So I, I don't think anyone was going to, if they were going to pay like say urban Meyer or uh, someone who's urban Meyer without the baggage, like yeah, $125 million to coach the fucking city or probably would have stepped in and been like blocked it and been like, you gotta, you can't do that. You got to donate that all to fucking, you know, the homeless toilet paper fund or some shit that, you know, a bunch of, a bunch of we, a bunch of psychos probably sit and just take the money anyway. So that's an that's an aside. But yeah, I mean, realistically, if they hired someone like Campbell, 
was this class going to be better? Or if they would have hired someone like Jeff Halfley, who was a very unproven coach, but, you know, people were like, this guy can recruit. Like, and the guys he's going to bring with him can recruit. Would it have even been better? Or was this actually just like, you know, you never know, was this actually the best they could have done? Like, Stark in 09, which, again, I think Stark, Stark did know how to recruit, at least on paper. Uh, but that was probably just given the situation. I trust that that was about as good as he was going to be able to do, even if he was like, you know, Pete Carroll or someone who was just like a, an all-time great, you know, recruiter. So I, I, you don't know that. That's kind of hard to judge, too. True. Though, uh, you know, Sark and whoever the uh, assistant coach was, I don't remember now, but, you know, one of the, he's, he goes to somebody in, in California and knocks on their door, and they open it up, and Sark and the assistant are wearing Husky helmets, and they start barking. <laughs> oh, you that, know. Was Troy, that was uh, Sean Parker. Was that Sean Parker? Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, he got him at least, I, I guess. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. With that, I'm I'll, looking I, at the. Uh, I'm looking at the. Uh, I think that was like the 2012. No, maybe no, 2011 um, class. I don't. I don't know. In my memory, it was uh, that first year, but maybe not. Yeah, maybe it was 2000, like 2010. 09 was his first class, and then 2010. Uh, I was looking up. Uh, I can remember uh, the. I, I I'll still watch a little bit of highlights of you know guys huddle films or whatever. Every once in a while, you know, if it comes up or whatever. But I like I quit complete cold turkey watching uh, just like studying and like trying to break down like guys' film when uh, I got I got completely mesmerized by like Jermaine Kelly's high school film. He didn't do anything. He did nothing in college. And I was like, yeah, oh, I don't yeah. know. I don't know jack shit. I'm done. I, I'm not, I'm not breaking this shit down anymore. Like if you uh, if you go on the recruiting list, he's uh, he's he's ranked higher than John Ross. <laughs> I should tell you. Is he really? <laughs> wow. Yeah, his film. I remember oh, you pointed oh, yeah. out to me. Yeah, his film was unbelievable. I thought Austin Joyner, <laughs> uh, not Joyner, Austin Osborne's film was fucking incredible too. And the guy, you know, is. Uh, an average receiver at Bowling Green. So I, I don't know. Yeah, film, uh, it's a good point. Film is like, I mean, I guess that's why you never know. I did crossing levels in sports, it's just so hard to project who's going to do what. Cause yeah, I mean, we could probably think of a few other guys too where you're watching or like, that film was incredible. And then guys who like, uh, the film didn't show anything. Like I remember, I think you did the opposite with Taylor Rapp and you were like, I think you went to see him play the game, or I talked to people too in the area who were like, I think in Bellingham went to some games, watched tape, were like, I don't know, I don't really see anything with this guy. Uh, and whatever you don't like about Taylor Rapp, and I'm semi on board with that, you know, the guy is was a fucking incredible hockey player for three years minus one game, uh, and mm -hmm. you know, a second round draft, a second round draft pick with like a fucked up hip, uh, or else he would have been a first rounder. So. It's really hard, and I I do I would never want to be a I would never want to be a college football coach or an NFL coach because yeah that shit has to be so hard. Some guys look so good, uh, some guys look terrible, and you know you never know. I mean, it, you never know what could fuck up a guy or make a guy great. I mean, maybe something weird happens in their personal life right before they come or right after they arrive, and that makes everything better or makes it worse. I mean, you have to factor in so many different things. It's, uh, it's, I, I, I mean, I don't get it at all. So do you remember Mike Lustig? Uh, he's, I know I'm the too name. Young for that. Too young. So I he, know the name, but he, too young. he was recruited in the same, let me make sure I have this right. It was either 88 or 89. I want to say 80. It was one of those. And, and, um, and again, even back then, I didn't really follow it very much, but I can still remember uh, seeing on TV, they were showing highlights from him playing uh, 
God, where did he play? He came from somewhere in Kinko, I think, Interlake or something. Um, but the, the 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 video footage you saw, it looked like Reggie White. You know, it was just like <laughs> throwing throwing people to the side like they weighed forty pounds or something, and uh, destroying quarterbacks and engulfing running backs, and just complete total havoc. And then uh, he comes to Washington, and then uh, he does you know absolutely nothing. He maybe started five games ever. And, uh, and then, of course, Steve Etman was right around that same time, and he ended up, you know, being the uh, the two-star with one leg shorter than the other leg, and <laughs> nobody wanted him. And, and then uh, Emptorman, <laughs> and he ends, up, he ends up being all everything. So, Yeah. Uh, on a, a one that, made, that looked good and made sense, uh, did you ever watch Jeremiah Farms' film? Uh, me, me, I did not know that I recall. Oh man, I, th- I, I remember think I have watched this film. Well, you might have because I remember in like our basement of my parents' house when I was in high school. I found like my dad had the old Sports Washington VHS tapes that had like the tape of every guy they signed every year, and I was like, oh, in high school, I was like watching it and like did Jeremiah Farms one get fucking psychotic, which makes total sense. Uh, and he was from Sacramento. <laughs> I mean, he was probably playing like decent talent, but he wasn't playing in like you know the Orange County League. And he, if you ever get a chance to watch it, maybe it's online. It's just an endless tape of him running up to guys with terrible form and just like basically like pushing them down from the upper body and then doing somersaults. <laughs> He's so fucking powerful. <laughs> and that's like in the whole entire tape. And I feel like there's like offensive tape. Where yeah, he looks like he's like uh, he looks like he's like the Quan Barkley, where he just gets the ball and then like cuts and outruns entire defenses. Uh, and he, but he's like six three, like like two thirty. So yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> sometimes you get it and it makes sense. You're like, oh, like Reggie Bush is probably still the best tape I've ever watched. Oddly, the, other than like Tavon Austin, one of the only guys that I put up there at Reggie Bush's film is like Nate Robinson high school running back film is insane. And if he would have played offense at all, I I do wonder if maybe for injury reasons, he was like, I don't want to play offense the year they had him. They should have found a way to play him on offense because his running back tape and like punt returning tape is like Reggie Bush level on some plays. Do you remember, uh, do do you remember uh, Chris Young's, Oh, yeah. Yeah, Chris Young. Uh, 2010 class from uh, Auburn. He never enrolled, though. He had to go to to junior college, and then he played at... ASU. Yeah, yeah, Arizona State. He was good. Uh, His highlight video... His highlight video was basically him headhunting and then taunting. That <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, was an so incredible yeah. <laughs> him, oh, like, yeah. him like Hulk, hulking up and then like, you know, howling at the sky. I was like, oh, this guy's going to be my favorite fucking player <laughs> for four years. And then he never enrolled. I was like devastated. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I remember us watching that and being like, uh, and I feel like we already knew because there was like, you know, they were static about him having grades issues. We're like, this guy, one, <laughs> and you hate to be right, we're like, one, he's never going to come here. Two, he's going to go to JC and he's going to go to some other fucking Pac-12 school. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, who is in the same fucking conference as you. So, like, obviously academics, like, make it happen. And he's going to be good. And he wasn't like a star, but he was definitely like a second-team All-Pac-12 player, I think, uh, his senior year. And he was, again, yeah, like a big hitter who made it so you didn't want to go over the middle. I think he was the linebacker. Yeah, I mean, those, <laughs> we could do a whole three-hour podcast on, like, yeah, the guys who had incredible film who either didn't work out <laughs> or, you know, guy, that's one whole thing. Uh, like, guys who film was like, uh, I don't know what this even is, who actually ended up being, like, Good. So it's not hopeless, but I feel like this class would be like, yeah. I had a friend I worked with who's a, you know, like a, uh, you know, coach, you know, defensive line, defensive coordinator coach all around, you know, the 
the area up here and, and he was like, he was like, man, when I saw Miles Gaskin in high school, I was like, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. And then, and then all of a sudden he's, you know, one of the greatest Huskies ever, you know? Yeah. I mean, stuff yeah, like that amazing. happens all the time. Yeah. 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 So. No, I kind of remember no one really being that excited about him. And then when he first got in the field being like, shit, this guy's incredible. Uh, I remember he was, he was like a low four star, but only on like scout. And he was like a three star everywhere else. And no one's that pumped. And then like, I remember it was like the first game of his true freshman year. He had like a hundred yards and everyone was like, Oh, this guy's going to be insane. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's the, 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 I've been on the boards about it a, a bit of like, I'm kind of becoming more Duke and being like, I want the staff, you know, at least until if they start, you know, putting together a great run on the field to you know, take the guys that they can get that they think are going to work. And, you know, lo- the top local guys sell it for that. And then I don't want to fucking chase fucking Julius Buelos and <laughs> bandages and, <laughs> Uh, like low four, low four star guys from out of state who are supposedly great, who then all just show up and are fucking ass. Like, and I don't want to chase that recruiting ranking, which I knew Heisel did it. Certain program, I think certain programs and coaches do it, and I don't think it works. And I think Pete kind of got suckered and pressured into it. Uh, I don't. I, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with them taking. <clears throat> I'm fine with them taking some guy three star guys that they actually think are gonna work and wanna play football and don't want to play school sure. or don't wanna don't wanna be below average for four fucking years and transfer to Oregon. Uh because that's their mindset. Uh which was it's an all, interesting it's all thing. Good. Yeah. I can't remember yeah. if it was someone on the they talk I can't to remember if it, Yeah, if it was someone on our board or someone on a Utah board who was Ben Roberts, that Ben Roberts guy like committed to Oregon from Washington, they were like, Utah didn't recruit this guy because they think he's a shithead. <laughs> I'm like, uh, like, I believe that, and I believe, you know, Utah's got a, a low ceiling, but I would not be surprised if they're doing that. I mean, like, and I think Washington got suckered into doing that with the, you know, that linebacker, the linebacker and the defensive tackle, too, from Henderson, Nevada, who both, like, immediately flipped, and I think both ended up at Oregon, we were like, yeah, don't recruit those fucking guys. Like, don't recruit Ben Roberts. Uh, get a guy who, you know, even if he's, like, slightly not as good, who is actually going to be, like, committed and not just be, like, a dipshit and want to go sit on an old fucking decrepit white guy in his wife's throne. Uh, and then a lot of the whole world screams about, you know, uh, weird racial shit. Uh the, uh, recruit, like, yeah, recruit the right guys, which I know is what everyone's trying to do, but I think we all we all shit on the OKG thing a bit too much, even though it did need to be, you know, skepticized a bit. We shit on it too much and go out and find fucking football players, especially now. Now with NIL, I mean, and all this shit, and social media, uh, I think there's going to be an opening for teams uh you know, not to beat Bama, not to beat, like, Georgia, but, like, teams that just don't give a fuck. I think Utah already did that this year. I think Utah, Utah, you know, not even prison raping, like, Guantanamo Bay raping Oregon twice in three weeks. I think that was a message that, like, like, yeah, if you're Bama or you're Alabama We'll see if that goes viral. <laughs> yeah, I, most of our posters. You, most of our posters probably can't spell Guantanamo, though, so we're probably safe. But go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> and you're signing, which I don't think Bama even does. I think Bama takes the best five star guys who aren't like fucking necessarily prima donnas until Saban retires. Uh, if you're getting the best of the best of those guys, yeah, you're you're fine. But if you're getting like the fringe, like oh, I'm like a mid-four-star, low-four-star guy, but I have, like, the the ego and all this shit of a guy who's like, you know, a five-star recruit. Uh, you're going to get your ass fucking slaughtered by a team full of guys like Utah or Cincinnati. Uh, 
who's like, yeah, we, we just play football and we're fucking good. And we have our fucking clutch cargo coach who's just like, I don't give a fuck. You're going to get annihilated. Uh, those teams, as you see with Cincinnati, I mean, are of Utah against Ohio State. Like, those teams are not, are, you know, kind of the Huskies in 2016, but I think on a, a better, I think that team did have more talent than these other teams. They're going to struggle when they have to play, you know, Ohio State or Alabama, who's like, well, we got five stars who are fucking egomaniacs and, like, obsessed with NIL and social media, but they're just too fucking talented to stop. Uh, but if you're going to be, like, I think the Oregon, the A&M, you know, uh, Washington, I think, in some ways, when they kind of started signing all these great four-star blue-chip ratio guys, it ain't going to fucking work. Uh, you have to go. You have to go big or go home. I think with that shit. I guess it just all depends on who the coach is, you know. True. I mean that, that that's also it too. I think uh, uh, that that's a big factor. And if you can pick the right guys and develop the right guys, I mean that that's still what it is. But I uh, I cringe thinking back, which I was kind of part of it of. Uh, it wasn't on the boards and the podcast and all these guys who were just, you know, gloating. He hated, hated the 2014 Husky class, which I admit I was part of in his camp and loved the, like, the, the 2019 or, you know, the 2018 classes that have produced nothing uh, because guys were rated four stars by scout. Uh, guys who probably were like, I'm tired of Miles Gaskin. Like, I want Cam Davis, like type of shit, uh, you know, I don't know if anyone was actually like that, but, like, that kind of thinking. Uh, <laughs> I you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I probably told, I, I don't know, I probably told you guys this. Well, I know Wooly Duke's heard it a hundred times, but I, I, I think Miles Gaskin's probably – I would consider him the greatest Husky of all time, but I mean, yeah, I get a lot of de- debate and arguments, but I just, for four years, we got four years out of him, local product, and then he basically has every big record for a running back. And I mean, but it, it's a little biased because he's probably my favorite or at least top three favorite Huskies of all time. So I don't know. But one thing I'll, I'll add to, to, to further bolster your assessment there is that um, if we looked at, like, Sean Alexander when he was at the Seahawks and he won the MVP, and I want to say that was in 05, um, he had one of the greatest offensive lines probably of that decade blocking for him, and some of the holes that he had to run through were just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then towards the end of his time with the Seahawks, when the line was uh, – Hutchinson, you know, went to uh, Minnesota, I think it was, and uh, things started to kind of uh, go downhill. Um, right. Uh, he he was just pedestrian at best when he didn't have a, a running lane. Now, you contrast that with Miles Gaskin. <laughs> Excuse me. There'd be times where he'd get the handoff. There's nothing there. And then the play's over, and he gets four or five yards. And he did it over and over and over. And there was just like he had a Gumby quality to him where he was just – he could avoid the big hit and, and find that little crease and, and kind of uh, fetter is uh, fetter is the wrong word, isn't it? Ferret. That's the word I wanted. <laughs> he didn't fetter his way through the hole. He ferreted his way through the hole. And he'd get, you know, with most uh, running backs, he, they would get four yards on a certain play, and he'd get seven or eight. And it was, that was – those were more – Impressive to me, time and time again, than the twenty-yard runs and the and the touchdowns and the long TD run against the Cougs in the snow and all that stuff. And it was just, and his attitude was always so good. It was always such a contrast to Browning, and um, uh, yeah, just pure delight. And when he came back for his senior senior year, that was a nice surprise. And he was just, he was just great. And I, I certainly put him in top five all time. Uh, the Apple Cup yeah, run, I, every time I see that play, I still am, like, <laughs> pumping my fist as, as if it's the first time I've watched it. It's like, <laughs> and it's just, and it's just a, it, it's a great uh, 
you know, the the part at the end where he's laying on the guy, but he still knows, like, oh, if I just reached behind me, I knew, you know, I know where the goal line, you know, about was. I'm, I can reach yes. back here and score. I mean, that's a football play. That is like, you know, a guy who knows, you know, his whole – everything surrounding him, you know, on the football field. It, I mean, yeah, the – uh, Miles Gat, oh, man, <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to get sentimentalized. <laughs> He's not Rushmore at, at, at the very least to me. Uh, uh, yeah. So it's so it's uh, Miles Gaskin and Phil Lynott. Yep, yep, yep. Or according to you, it's, it's Miles Gaskin and four Phil Lineits. There's your Mount Rushmore. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's yeah. Right. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I'm not. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Phil Lineit, he kind of looks like he could be like a – he could could have been a quarterback in the 70s for somebody. You know, long, rangy, uh, fucking black guy with the afro. Uh, he could have been the first Kaepernick. Uh who who is actually cool but not 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 a punk. Uh but yeah, I mean Gaskin, you uh I mean if that was exactly what you're saying, Derek. Like those runs, like if you're a running back's coach, I think you just gotta put a film of him because, like everything that you can do with a running back that isn't necessarily just tied to your physical skills. He was just so amazing that of like well, yeah. I feel like his best highlights, like you're saying was like you thought that it felt like the, the whistle had been blown and then he would get four more yards. Like you thought the play was over and he'd suddenly like suddenly like fall forward and twist for like four yards. And like he yeah. knew how to fall to not, to not get hurt for one thing. You know, a lot of guys come up and get thumped and then, you know, but they're beat, beat up all the time. Like Sean McGrew, uh, <laughs> but he knew, which I liked, but I'm like, yeah, that's why you can't play for two games every time you get more than 10 carries because you, just you light laying the guys too much, but yeah, and then blocking and how to like how to find a team. And then if there ever was a big hole, that's when he got like it was an automatic twenty yards. So it's like fun oh, yeah. to watch, watch him. You're like that, the second you saw a hole, actual hole, you're like, oh, that's twenty twenty five yards uh, because that's how good he was. And uh, yeah, I think he's definitely Mount Rushmore. And I mean, he goes back to. And just the way he played, too, and the way he acted is another thing you guys were saying. Like, I remember I was at I – I only went to, like – I didn't go to very many Husky games, you know, since I, when I was lived in L.A., and I got to go to his last game uh, in Husky Stadium. And it was so awesome because, like, how ha- much he enjoyed playing football and, you know, and mm-hmm. technically for free. For free at that time, you could see it. And you could see – or maybe it was Oregon State with his last uh, – I think it was Oregon State uh, – was his last home game, senior day. And it was fucking so amazing to watch someone who's like, and in their hometown, which, you know, I think if you go back to recruiting, one thing to me is like, uh, I want, the Paul Wolf point is someone made on the board of, you know, someone tried to just take all the best players in Washington that they could get. Uh, Paul Wolf did it, and I, I really respected him for it. And I, I thought it might work, but it was a disaster of just taking the his his recruiting uh, idea right. was clearly like we're just going to take the best players in Washington that you know the Huskies or whoever comes and raids from out of state don't take, and basically be kind of like Eastern almost, and it didn't work. Yeah. But I I want the Huskies to, which is I like taking that done guy. I want them to take you know especially if you're not going to be able to get. Byron Murphy, you know, out of, you know, Scottsdale, you can't get, you know, the best player out of Sacramento that year. Take a fucking guy to Washington and make it work. I mean, I, I, I really wish, I'd hope that they would do more of what, you know, they did with like Bishop Stanky and Joe Tryon, where they're like, what if we just take the best two players that the Cougars have committed and offer them and be like, Hey, or Desmond Trufant, come play here instead. Uh, I'm like, I, are the Beavers. Like, the Beavers had that guy as, like, Andre Hughes-Murray for, like, four years. And I remember being like, why aren't Huskies recruiting this guy? He's, like, 6'4", like, 230 in high school and fast. And, the, of course, like, dude man, everything's like, well, blah, blah, blah. like, this because he's local. It doesn't mean you got to take him over, 
I'm sure like some shitty out of state guy who transferred to fucking uh, Portland State already. Uh, and he was like a four year really good player for the Beavers. Like, go do that. Like, take the best guys in state. I mean, uh, that aren't necessarily going to go who, you know, you wouldn't necessarily take if you got your first guy. And, I mean, Gaskin kind of, he's not that level of it, but he was like a high three-star guy who no one was that excited about. But in the end, too, he loved Seattle and he loved Husky football once he got there, though I do know he wanted to go to Arizona State. So (laughs) that's another part of recruiting and college coaching, which I'm like, I would never want that job. But, like, yeah, like, I think Gaskin has even admitted himself. He's like, I wanted to go to, like, ASU, but my mom – I think his mom kind of made him go to Washington. And, oh, yeah, you know, I remember like, that. Yeah, I think quietly, it, it like Buda Baker, I feel like I've heard from numerous people be like, he did want to go to, like, Oregon, but his, like, girlfriend at the time, like, kind of, like, sold him on going to Washington. And, obviously, Peterson was able to steal the deal. I think that's the thing. I think a lot of these coaches, shitty coaches like Jimmy, kind of use that as excuses. But if you're a good coach, you're like, they find a way to use that like personal leverage and make it happen. Sure. I'm sure. I'm sure Josh Connerly like has 25 people in his ear. It really seems like his family from, you know, the periphery wants him to go to Washington. Why would you fucking like, you gotta remember when you're 18, like why would you want to move to Michigan uh, in, in out there for, for three to five years? I mean, which is another point of like losing a one, a one at a Penn state, like, Dude, that's so far to go. Are like Mark Naboo to Texas A&M. Like that's so far to go. Such a culture shock. Like to play mm-hmm. in a program that you're like, oh, I might play in like, I might play in some bigger games. I'm gonna win some more. And that's it. Like, how are you not able to win that out and be like, look, dude, like you're gonna be able to like, like have your whole family and community involved in this. You're not gonna have to move. You're a fucking Polynesian guy. You're not gonna have to move to a place where it's like 28 degrees for five months, five months of the year, not 75% of the time you're actually at school. It's like frozen here uh, and like completely change your life. So I think, well, I think it's different for everybody though. So you might, maybe you got a dysfunctional family and you want to get away or, you know, I pointed that. I said that I always say that, which is again, yeah, the shitty part about being the coach is, you know, maybe some of these guys were like privately, like, JT or Mecca, maybe they're like, I, I don't, or anyone, like, yeah, maybe there's like, I don't want to be here anymore. Maybe I'm Jeremy Stevens, and the, the worst thing that could ever happen to me is to get drafted <laughs> into Seattle. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, but I mean, you got a situation. Some of these Sark guys, though, uh, during the Sark era, you know, the the big names. And one of them, you know, they leave state, and then Kim would make an excuse for it. And then the next one leaves the state, and Kim makes an excuse for it. And then we're going to get this third guy, though. He's the big name, and he leaves the state, <laughs> and Kim makes an excuse for it. So, so it's like, it's like you, you know, sometimes you're going to have the situation where a recruit just wants to get away and get somewhere else. They don't care about weather or whatever. New environment will be wonderful yeah. for them. But when you see the pattern developing and you can't keep anybody, <laughs> then it's like, Let's not be afraid to say that there's a four alarm fire, you know. So hopefully yeah. the Parker think... twins <laughs> hopefully the Parker twins the Parker twins can tell Connor Lee, Yeah, you don't want to go to Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> you want to stay here. Don't go there. Yeah. Maybe that's why uh, we maybe... recruited them. <laughs> maybe and Willie said it... can talk to this. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, and Willie you said a few minutes ago that like when Miles Gaskin was being recruited, you know, he had to he had to come to Washington for free and everything. But you know, imagine if he was coming to Washington this year, he'd get what two hundred dollars a year on jersey sales. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, two fifty. Uh, you know, I think. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, yeah, the NIL thing. I, I have no idea. Yeah, I have no idea how how this works, which makes me wonder. Which I mean, to kind of touch on, you know, the point too of like. Vega Awane and Mark Naboo, I mean, they both were committed to Washington. So, I mean, that makes it seem like they weren't trying to get away, and it's not a good sign that they weren't able to get them back in the boat. They're not, they weren't like a guy who, like, 
I feel like JT and Emeka, like the second Ohio State stepped in, they were gone. Uh, and there's guys like oh, that. Yeah. Uh, and I totally get that. And that sucks for a coach. But I'm sure you're like, dude, I don't know. Like, these guys don't want to stay in the state, even if we were, you know, doing well. Uh, yeah, the NIL, I have no fucking clue how much these guys are actually going to be able to make. What's realistic at Washington or anywhere, uh, really. Hey, I mean, I bought somewhere I still have like a Reggie Williams jersey, uh, a Paul Arnold jersey. Uh, I still have like a, I, I got some, I got some fucking jerseys, man. Who else do I have? I have a Curtis Williams one. Uh, you know, I, they sold a lot, a lot of those jerseys and I always thought with the unplayed players thing, I always thought it was a little bit shitty. The things I really thought were shitty were the NCAA football game and guys not getting paid for that at all. And then the jersey sales where you were selling a Reggie Williams jersey without his name on it. And then he wasn't getting any money for that. Uh, yeah. But also I'm, I'm talking a lot, so I don't want to, I don't want to ramble over you're ta- Joey. So you're talking about the marquee guy there though, because the names you're mentioning, you know, uh, Parl, it was yeah. a big deal early on. And then Reggie Williams, of course, was uh, a mega star within our little universe here in the time that he was here. Um, but you know, you, if you're talking about, uh, you know, some, uh, the starting left guard or something, how many jerseys are he going to sell? His parents will buy a couple and, you know, well, <laughs> he'll get five bucks. I mean, and the whole, the whole point is even if you're going to pull in six or $700 and that's, and if you're one of the star players or 1200 or 3,200 or whatever, though, I, I guess the point, and I'm, maybe I'm belaboring the point, but it's like, all this excitement over something that's so basic and should be universal for every school and to act like you're cutting edge and then to sell it like that uh, online as if, you know, if they tout the hell out of it, then that shows that they're doing something. And it's just, it's just, uh, you know, you don't have to, it doesn't take too much to read into this and read between the lines to see that we're in serious trouble unless we start doing things differently. Maybe we should collectively, as a as a website, uh, whoever the starting left guard is, buy their jersey every every single season. We pass the cup every week, yeah. and uh, here's here's eighty six dollars for you know. Yeah, I mean, so part of done. that's so. a bigger yeah, a bigger nil like thing that I've I've like ranted against for years once the argument for like these kids are getting fucked over for pay, not paying players in college that I've always been like yeah like Johnny Manziel and Tim Tebow uh, Reggie Williams is like a hot example those guys were getting fucked over uh, kind of you know, like by sure. they were not getting what they worth but 99.999999% of college athletes like 98.5% of football cultural players at power five schools are getting a good deal. Like, and the deal is, all that's going to do is, you know, on uh, um, C.J. Stroud or say Sam Heward going to get, you know, $150,000 to go to Washington, but fucking the Parker twins are going to get nothing. Because that's like, and that's like all you're going to create. You're going to create, you're not going to mimic a pro, a pro sports model, which is where like, if pro sports were like wide open, it would be more like movies where it's like one person gets $20 million per movie and then everybody else gets like nothing. Uh, Cause if pro sports were less like set up the way they are, like LeBron would get like a hundred million dollars. And then the dudes who don't play would make nothing instead of making like $3 million a year to sit on the bench. Like that's what's going to happen. But I'm sure that Oregon will make sure. Oregon will make sure I mean, that it's or- distributed fairly well, though. I bear- <laughs> guarantee you that. They're going to keep a happy I, shop there. It's a very un- – I think mean, I already that, – that program already seemed like it would be a nightmare to coach, which doesn't surprise me why it seems like no one really mm. wanted a job other, other than, like, someone who is so young, uh, younger than me. Uh, but because uh, <laughs> managing that is going to be a nightmare – uh, but I, the only thing I feel again of like the unlucky shit of just happening to be Oregon's rival of like, I don't know. I don't think anyone else has a multi fucking billionaire who will just sign off and everything. Maybe they will fucking pay the backup left guard, you know, $400,000 a year to do nothing because 
you fucking can if you want to. And I, like, I don't know. That's like really fucking hard to compete with them in this model. Uh, but I don't think they are. I, I don't think that's what they're doing. I think Thibodeau got you know less than less than you would think probably to be himself, and then the rest of the guys got probably close to what they made on stipends anyways, maybe, uh, especially after they signed. Because once a guy signs after he's a recruit, his value is nothing until he proves himself. So it's bad business to be like, you know, the NIL is bad business for anyone to invest in anyone once they sign on that dotted line. Well, here's the deal. Jen Cohen, she needs to call up Blackstone. All right. She needs to get them to uh, be a sponsor. Problem solved. I mean, my only thought was that the only thing Washington could have is if they get those corporate sponsors, like, say, Alaska Airlines sponsors to, like, the field the way they do and to get that split between the players. Because the market in Seattle is not enough, not going to be what it is to, like, even Sam Heward or someone, unless he really blows up to like put money into him. But the overall program facilities in like the stage could be sponsored and then split that. But like, there's not the weirdos like Texas A&M does I have like a bunch of oil fucking guys. We don't have a bunch of oil guys like Texas A&M who are going to like, we've got tech you know, guys. Drop. <laughs> tech guys do not, I, fuck tech guys. They don't give a fuck about, <laughs> they care about fucking esports and, like, fucking Pete Buttigieg. I don't think they give a shit about other making sure their wife thinks they like Pete Buttigieg. Uh, that's about so, it. Well, Paul Allen, uh, Paul Allen uh, loved football. He loved Husky football. Where? But I know it's your... Different, I know different it's generation. Your, different generation. Well, I don't know if it's generational other than it's simply... Uh, maybe, maybe. But it's... Uh, um, I, I, get, I get your overall point, that's for sure. But... Um, um, but as we as we start to conclude the show here, uh, Joey, what are your thoughts on um, in regards to like DeBoer? Does he does he get a mulligan for this year because of the circumstances, or do we consider this a swing and a miss? As far as recruiting, I'm sorry. As far as recruiting, yes. Uh, I mean, yeah. I I mean, we have to. It, it, it is what it is. It's it's frustrating because you want to say, you know, uh, it's a swing and a miss. But I think, uh, you know, if you go back to Peterson's 2014 class, you know, his first one, um, he he brought over like, I mean, it was what, half of his class was, you know, what he brought over. But I think there was more of a – there was there was like a hum, humongous attrition based on um you know that nine and four husky team uh players leaving um, and then players transferring out and stuff and stuff like that there wasn't as much attrition as I thought there was gonna be off of this team you know z t f stayed. Uh, we lose Bynum, but, you know, then we, I, you know, I suppose we replace him with uh, Junior Alexander, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, that's not good production-wise, but I, I like bringing Junior Alexander back. I think we should have recruited him, you know, in the first place. I think it's, you know, fucking ridiculous that we never recruited him hard enough to begin with. But um, I, I don't know. It, it, you know, you look at the yeah. I mean, I'm a nega dude, so I want to say like, you know, yeah, he fucking swung and missed. He sucks, you know, or whatever. But but it's like, given everything you've you've laid out, you know, we lay out on the table, like he's got a ton of people returning that were already in the program. The attrition wasn't as bad as we thought it was going to be. He's he's got some players to uh, he's got some players to work with, at least. Um, you know, coming off a shitty year, but um, they're not going to be worse than four and eight, right? So, uh, they, they, no, they, 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 I, I think they, they can, they can easily flip that record 
Um, I mean, I'd be disappointed in in something under than under eight and four next year. So, I, I think um, I don't know. I, I think he's going to learn the hard way that he he's got to play a little dirty in recruiting, and I don't think he wanted to. Uh, I don't think he wanted to get his hands dirty. So, right out of the think, gate, anyway. I think Peterson. Yeah, I think Peterson. Uh, Peterson probably secretly um, grew tired of Brian Harson, as you can see why. <laughs> so he was willing to. He was willing to steal. He was willing to steal those recruits from him. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Uh, and DeBoer and Tedford have a good relationship, so he probably, you know, he probably just wanted to let Fresno, you know, do their, do its thing, knowing that Washington doesn't play Fresno State, you know, in the in the coming future. So, wasn't going to hurt, wasn't going to do anything to benefit either program. So, I don't know. I, I suppose you give him a mulligan. You know, I'm looking at our schedule for next year, and um, I think I agree with you. Eight and four, it should be that should be like the uh, baseline of what's expected. We I'm still have a little saying, bit. Of... I am. I'm not saying I am happy with eight and four. Okay, I'm not saying I'm happy with it. I'm saying I'm saying minimum. That's what I'm saying. I, I'm still gonna have my arms folded and I'm still going to be pouting at eight and four, but I'm not, I'm not going to be, you know, an emotional wreck. Okay. We've got all the audio sound bites we need. That's right. Kent state win, Portland state win, Michigan state loss, Stanford win at UCLA loss. Michigan state win. No. Yeah. At Arizona State, loss. Arizona win. At Cal, win. Oregon State, win. At Oregon, loss. Colorado, that's at home, so I'm going to say win. (laughs) At Wazoo. At Wazoo, win. 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 So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh, I got us at seven and five. Okay. I thought it was eight and four. Anyways, four and eight would be unacceptable. It'd be fire him and out, and let's go get somebody else, even though obviously we won't do that unless there's a scandal. So unless he punches somebody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got one, one, one real quick thing to say, and then I got to run. I got a son's got a basketball game. I, uh, I searched on Spotify. I just typed in Husky football, and uh, Hardcore Husky was the first one that came up. So oh. that was pretty. That was pretty cool. But I just want to let Spotify know to uh, pick us or Joe Rogan, one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> well, iTunes, you can type it's in. It's either us or Joe before. Rogan. Damn it. Washington Huskies football, and there's like 15 things that come up, and there's no no uh, hardcore Husky podcast. So um, I'm not crying conspiracy. I'm just saying that's interesting, you know. So, all right, uh, Willie, do you have any final thoughts before we say adios for, until the next time? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, you know, uh, I hope we we go better than eight and four next year. So uh, that's the next eight months are all about. So Willie is calling 10 and two right now. I'm, I'm not calling 10 and two. I, uh, <laughs> I would probably be happy with eight and four and yeah, that's probably what I'd be happy with. Uh, yeah. So, all right. Sounds good. Well, I'll talk to you guys soon. All right. All right. All right. See ya.
Thank you for listening to the Hardcore Husky Podcast. This show is copyrighted material. In other words, stop plagiarizing our shit, fuckos. So please tell a friend and rate us five stars on iTunes, especially you cheap bastards who don't donate. It's the least you could do. Yeah, I'm looking at you, creepy coog. And come join our fun at over at hardcorehusky.com. We've got Husky Football, Yellow Snow's Record Shop, and our notorious Tug Tavern, which is which is a shit show of politics and strange news. And if you enjoy yourself and are ready for the next level level of cyber peyote, peyote, come join Swain's Wigwarm. I'm going to have to read this over. Sway's Wigwam, yeah. Sway's Wigwam at Navajo Nation's gift to college football. It's also the official private club of hardcore Huskies. We're talking boobs, guns, and inside information, all for the low, low fee of $129 a year. Come join the fun. I'll have to read that one, but...